The This Week in Golf podcast, and what do you think we're going to talk about first this week? Michael Block, Brooks Kepsha, and the PGA Championship, obviously. What a great event it was. Brooks won it. What are we going to say about Brooks? Brooks is the man. Uh, three PGA Championships, two U.S. Opens, five total majors. He just won a live event. He is literally the best player in... Okay. I'm not going to say that. But he's close to one of the best players in the world right now. Rom Scheffler, I guess you got to throw Brooks in there, particularly when it comes to the U, uh, to the major championships. This guy's the man. Three PGA championships, two U.S. Opens, and five total majors. He won, um, he's won a live event. So he's back. Um, when he was on... The Netflix show Full Swing, he seemed to be at a crossroads with injuries and not doing well and blah, 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 this and that. But boy, did he put all that to rest this weekend by winning the PGA in pretty dominant fashion. Let's just go over it really quick. Some of the highlights to me, particularly were Saturday, was Saturday when it was raining and the course was eating everybody up. The lowest score on the day was one under par besides Brooks, and Brooks shot four under 66. Incredible in the conditions and everything else. And and not only that, but this course was set up as a par 70. So normally a 72, obviously, for the members or regular people who play there. Par 70. So just to get par, you got to be two under. And then he goes out and shoots uh, four under on that. He was... He was four under on Friday for a 66, four under on Saturday for a 66, and then on Sunday he shot 67. If he would have made that putt on 18, it would have been another 66. But just dominant, dominant performance. And Hovland did give him a good run. We'll, I'll, I'll chat about Victor Hovland in a few minutes, but that was a good run. But uh, Brooks never really, the window never really opened. Like if Hovland had a good hole, uh, Brooks matched it, or you know, some of the times it looked like Brooks was going to Brooks was going to get a bogey or a double bogey. He ends up making a saving putt, and maybe Hovland picks up one stroke instead of two. So, pure dominant performance. Um, and then, obviously, the story everybody wants to talk about is this fellow Michael Block, who it's been two days now since the since the tournament. So, I would say. You've heard most of the good stories out there, but I'll throw in a couple more and uh, that, that haven't seemed to get any coverage, and I really have been looking for the one. So on Thursday, I was out and about. Actually, I was playing golf at Torrey Pines in the evening, and a friend of mine sends me a text message, and he goes, hey, this block guy just had an incredible on-course interview with Scott Van Pelt. And I was like, Okay, but what player? And he's like, Block. I didn't know who Block was. And so, and the reason my friend Chris saw it is because, and I can't find it, there's one excerpt of that interview where he talks about how he teaches on the back of the range and how he works with 
whatever the player has. So he's not trying to make everybody have the same swing, you know. But anyways, the <laughs> Chris sent me this whole thing about how he was talking about the rough and he used the word penal, like like penalizing. But he's like, he used the word penal three times in like two sentences. And he clearly knew what he was doing to throw the word penal <laughs> in there. So if anybody has that, please forward it on to me. Because I have looked on Twitter. I have looked on YouTube. I cannot find the penal interview. Um, but he's the people's champ. Obviously, he goes out there. He gets into one of the final groups on Saturday with Justin Rose. And then on Sunday, he gets into one of the final groups with Rory. So, I mean, imagine that. You know, I was thinking about this. One day I was playing and the starter goes right before, right when I walked out there, he goes, oh, you're playing with these three guys today. They're all scratch golfers. And these three dudes show up and two of them look like college players and the other guy's probably 30. And we're walking back to the black tees. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, I, I was so nervous playing with these guys, you know. And I'm, I'm a pretty good player, but for whatever reason, I was nervous. So I can only imagine what Michael Block felt like standing there, you know, obviously Thursday and Friday, but then on Saturday when you're one of the final groups, I mean, geez, give me a break. So he was good though. And Doug, my friend pointed out a great story and, and we saw it. I saw it at the time, but it didn't, didn't really register was there was a point where Justin Rose was like 30 feet from the hole. And he rolls in the putt and blocks there on the other side of the green. And he's like throwing his hands in the air and he's like, yeah, screaming, you know, for Rose, his partner, which, you know, you don't see a lot of in the PGA when, you know, when another competitor makes a putt or whatever, maybe they get an attaboy, but, you know, uh, uh, Michael Block was like stoked. He's like a fan and, you know, he's like, wow, what a great putt. And then, and then the very next hole, uh, Block has like a 30 footer and he rolls it in and Justin Rose like starts cheering for him and got caught up in the moment of the crowd and the people's champ. Right. So that was awesome. And uh, kind of the same exact thing happened on Sunday with Rory and obviously the hole in one and the 18th hole. And, um, you know, I mean, I think Rory probably like on the second hole, he he screwed up. He went for the flag and he didn't get it. And that was basically his day. So not that he had a horrible tournament or day, but he wasn't going to win it. So he was having a good time out there with Michael as well. And then the final Michael Block story, I'll tell you to check it out. Um, I went on YouTube and was like when I was looking for the penal interview. <laughs> and uh, I found a video they had. It was it must have aired on the Golf Channel. I think it was 2018. And it was a story about how he was qualifying for the PGA championship, which would have been in San Francisco that year. And he was at Pebble and his 13 year old son was caddying for him. That was pretty cool. He, he like hits a ball into the, into the right rough and they can't find it. And they're over there looking and his son shined a light down like a squirrel hole under a tree. And he ended up uh, reaching under there and get pulling the ball out. And I think he goes on to par or bogey the hole. So he ended up qualifying. So he has qualified in the past for some of these events. And uh, man, what a great story to, to go all the way down there, to hit the hole in one, to finish at even par. And, you know, now he's, he's everywhere. He gets to play in the RBC Classic. He got an invite there. 
and he's playing this weekend at the Schwab Cup, and he was on Good Morning America. <laughs> he made $288,000. So that's a pretty good change from, from teaching on, on a range to suddenly being on TV everywhere. Instant hero. Um, cool. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about with the PGA Championship was Victor Hovland. And, you know, Hovland is having a great year. And I think it's just a matter of time before he breaks through at a major. He's certainly competing at them. He, um, I mean, let's just look at his year in review, right? Hero World Challenge, which was in November. Tigers Tournament in the Bahamas. 30 of the best players on the PGA Tour, and he wins that. He got um, third at the Players' Championship. He was under par every round in that tournament. He was seventh at the Masters. He was in the he, he was in the the second to final group at the Masters. He just shot horribly on Sunday, but he was in the mix. Um, the PGA he just got second. He was under par every round. Actually, he shot even par one day, but he was under par all the, all the rest of the days. And um, he's been in the top twenty at Riviera, at the Waste Management, at the Century, and the Arnold Palmer's. And the reason I mentioned those tournaments is because those are all the elevated events. So in all the top events, he's in the top 20, he's in the top three, he's in the final groups. So he's right there. And he just made a horrible shot on 16 and got a double bogey in the uh, in the championship on Sunday. And if it hadn't been for that, who knows, right? But he still shot under par, even with the double on 16. Tough break. Anyways, he'll break through. Next is this Tom Kim mud incident. Um, I think this happened on Thursday, possibly Friday. So Tom Kim, he's he hits the ball into some tulies there, kind of in the mud, and, and he thinks he can walk in there and get it, and he takes like two steps in, and next thing you know, he's, he's like stuck in the mud and covered in mud. <laughs> so he comes walking out, and pretty smart on his part, the creek's running through the, the middle of the fairway there. So he actually just jumps in the creek or walks into the creek and like washes all the mud off himself. So <laughs> that was a pretty funny little thing that happened. Okay. Now the next subject, let's talk about live without talking about live because this golf channel, I love the golf channel. Like they don't know what to do about this whole live. Like, should we talk about it? Should we not talk about it? Should we cover it? Obviously they don't cover it, but with Brooks winning, they kind of had to, right? And so it's just funny because no one knows what to do and they're, you know, it's it's great. And so the best part of this is after the tournament, um, this fellow Brandel Chambly on the Golf Channel decides to, you know, poke the bear and decides to bring up a topic of should uh, Brooks Kepcha be on the Ryder Cup team this year? And... He gets into a back and forth, well, not much of a back and forth, but a, a standoff conversation, I would say, with Brad Faxon. And basically, the the jux of it was, is, hey, nobody cares what tour you play for. We just want to see the best players in the world. And that's what Faxon's was. Basically saying, nobody's at the uh, Ryder Cup chanting PGA, PGA. You know, they're chanting USA, so we want the best players. But it's so funny because it's like you don't want to cover the very thing you want to 
that you're talking about. So any press is good press as far as Liv's concerned. They don't care if Shambly's out there talking about the government and how horrible they are of Saudi Arabia and backing the league and the best the best players money can buy and all this talking points that they have. You know, they're like, they're talking about us. So who cares? And then the live the live golf Twitter is actually pretty good. It's it's a little over the top because it's like it's always like provoking, you know, some sort of reaction, like our players are better than yours type of mentality with all its tweets. So like during the tournament, it's kind of annoying because it's like, they'll, they'll be like, oh, the live players are so much better than the PGA Tour players. Like just, you don't need to do that during the tournament. You can wait till the end, but that's what they're doing. So they don't seem to care. They're like, well, you don't want to talk about us, but you do talk about us. So when you do talk about us, well, we'll just take all the free press we can get. So that's that. And then this this whole, but this, you know, Brooks winning the PGA brings up this whole problem that they're going to face with this world golf ranking again. You know, how can you tell me that Patrick Reed isn't one of the best players in the world? Cam Young, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepcha. I mean, give me a break. The, the world golf ranking needs to include this stuff. They need to update it and they need to figure it out. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, they can stall it as long as they want. But this world golf ranking, there's going to be another ranking service that's going to come in and take them over if they're not careful. And they're going to have to succumb anyway. So they might as well just figure it out and, and uh, fix the issue and get these guys all ranked. They're playing events. Yeah, whatever. Figure it out. If they're smaller events or you don't think the competitions are good or whatever, just figure it out, get these guys ranked, and get them on, um, on in the majors. Speaking of, of numbers, let's talk about... I was just looking at YouTube because I was looking for coverage of Live, and then for some reason, I just decided, like, how many followers are actually looking at these YouTube channels? Because the Golf Channel obviously has a channel that's on TV, but then you look at their YouTube, it's not impressive. The The Golf Channel, well, <laughs> the Golf Channel has uh, 204,000 subscribers, okay? Live Golf has 272,000 subscribers. So Live Golf has a better YouTube channel than the Golf Channel. So... Just something to think about. And then the PGA Tour has 1.2 million. So, you know, this younger generation is more into YouTube. I know they're into Twitch and Twitter, or not Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. So I think when you combine all these numbers together and you start to see the the amount of people that are watching videos versus uh, traditional cable television, which is on its way out. So, you know, somebody over at the Golf Channel better figure out how to get to a million uh, subscribers on YouTube and live as well. And and by the way, the PGA Tour better get up to 2 million. So they're, um, the, the content is interesting. Like the Golf Channel ran, runs highlights, for instance, for the PGA Championship. And those are getting about, those videos just roughly, because there's a lot of them, like day one, day two, day three. But they're getting like about 80,000 views per video. And the live videos are getting about the same for, for their highlights. Keeping in mind, that's the only place you can get a live highlight is on the live YouTube channel. Live YouTube channel. And uh, 
you know, like the golf channel or like a PGA event, right? The PGA will have um, highlights on the PGA Tour. They'll have highlights on the golf channel. They'll have highlights on ESPN, uh, CBS. So they're, they have a greater reach, obviously, across all the brands. But just the golf channel itself, 200,000 subscribers, not impressive. Not impressive at all. The, the No Laying Up podcast and um, what's the other guy's name? Oh, I forgot his name. Anyways, those guys have like a million subscribers on YouTube. Okay, this weekend, this weekend, Liv is in uh, Washington, D.C. at Trump National Golf Course. The course is 7,700 yards, so almost 8,000 yards. It's a long course. I saw Brooks talking about it, and he's excited because he says he plays well on long and difficult golf courses, which we just saw over the weekend. So... Maybe he's got enough in the tank to, to compete again. We will see. And then uh, the PGA Tour, non-elevated tour stop this week is at Charles Schwab Challenge, Colonial Country Club, Fort Worth, Dallas. And again, let's see who has gas in the tank to win this thing. There's some big names there. So this is probably a good good week for maybe um, someone outside of the top 25 to win a tournament. But the big names out there, Scheffler, uh, Sam Burns is the defending champ. He's there. Justin Rose, um, Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, maybe, huh? Uh, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, Morikawa uh, Max Homa, and of course, the infamous Michael Block. Can he do it again? Oh, one other thing on Michael Block, just here at the end. Dude's 46 years old. He was hitting, he's not driving, I mean, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. He's out there. He did great, but... He's not 25 years old and driving the ball as long as all these other guys, which makes what he did even more impressive. You know, these guys are probably averaging 300 yards of drive. He's averaging 280 on a course that's 7,700 yards long, one of the most difficult setups of the year. And he's hitting hybrids into some of the par threes. So, I mean, kudos to him. Hope he does well. Hope he can make the cut. Hope he can make some more money and ride the wave while he's on top. That is This Week in Golf. Hey, it's Jeremy Callahan, and thanks for listening to This Week in Golf. Make sure and hit subscribe so you can get all the latest news and analysis from Golf VPN.